Hello guys, hello and welcome to this very important emergency booster pod episode of the RDO podcast. As always with the boys, Alex and Jason Von Cannell. Uh, I'd ask you how you are, I don't really care. <laughs> Let's just get into it. Uh, it's been two days since we recorded the last one and some new information has come to light over the weekend, which uh, is huge and is largely, in my opinion, an admission of guilt. Right. Right? Uh, so let's get straight into it. So uh, the news story is this. You might remember a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I mentioned that in America, when they approved the Pfizer vaccine for kids aged 5 to 11, it was approved under emergency use authorization rather than just a general approval. And I mentioned that that seemed strange because Pfizer's approved in America, Yeah. right? So anyone who was taking it, apart from that age group, it's fully approved for yep. use. Which was strange to hear that it was under emergency Yeah, so use. why you go with an EUA was, was weird. It was strange to me. And now we found out why. Uh, the formulation is slightly different. Now, they have stated already it's a lower dosage of the mRNA. I think it's 10 MCGs or whatever it is. Uh, but there has been a key ingredient change. And the key ingredient... you. This is unbelievable. I'll put links in the uh, in the show notes so yep. you can actually go and look at this stuff yourself. They so the the mRNA Pfizer Comirnaty shots have a buffer which is just saline solution yep. that everything else swims around in. Yep, a base that it's built on. That's right. They have replaced that saline buffer with a drug called tromethamine, which I'll spell that for you: T R O M E T H A M I N E. What is tromethamine, you ask? Uh, Tromethamine is a blood acid reducer which is used to stabilise people with heart attacks. Right. Wow. God, that is is huge. So just to, to be very, very clear, they have replaced saline solution, which is essentially salt water, with a drug which is used to stabilize people who have had a heart attack. Now... Why would you have to do that? Exactly. So a a video went viral over the last week about... It's like 64 different cases of athletes all over the world who are just dropping, collapsing on the sporting pitch, right? And a lot of the news articles just go, collapse, no idea what happened. Some of the articles were saying that it was um, shortly after vaccination. Yeah. And the only thing that has changed in the world in that period of time is the vaccine. Yeah. Okay? The, as we stated, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, the World Health Organization and on the TGA's own website, they say that there is now a likely causal association between the mRNA vaccines and heart inflammation. Yeah, so that's a fact. Right? So now that's a fact. And, we, and we've known this ever since the get-go, but this yep. is the first time the TGA's really said, okay, yep. we get it, there's yep. a correlation. That's right. So there's a correlation. Now, now Pfizer has come out and stuck an anti-heart, like a heart attack stabilizing drug into the vaccine that they're going to give to kids, mm. 5 to 11. It, I, I don't, I don't even know what is left to say about this company. Now, I just want to remind everyone of this fact. Google... Who paid the largest criminal fine in history? Yeah. Pfizer. And why did they have to pay that $2.3 billion fine? 
It was for mismarketing drugs to people they weren't suitable for, and it caused harm. Yeah, and we're surprised that we're going to get a different result. That's right. And what's happening this time around, Alex? They are mismarketing a drug at people it is not suitable for, and they are causing harm. But there is a key difference. They have full waiver of liability. Because it's a vaccine. Well, because it's a vaccine and because that was what the government signed up yeah. at the beginning. So I, 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 don't, I just want to keep harping on about this. They have put in a drug that they use to stabilize people who have had heart attacks in a vaccine they're trying to give to your children when in Australia we've had like 30,000 cases below the age of 19, only two people have died who had huge uh, secondary conditions. Uh, let's let's read on. So with trimethamine, uh, here are some known side effects of the drug trimethamine. Respiratory respiratory depression. Right. So just before I move on, so because remember this is to help the kids not suffer greatly from a respiratory virus. Yeah, which they don't suffer from anyway. No. So respiratory depression is also known as hypoventilation. Right. Okay. So what is respiratory depression? Uh, It is a breathing disorder characterized by slow and ineffective breathing. During a normal breathing cycle, you inhale oxygen into your lungs. Your blood carries the oxygen around your body, delivering it to your tissues. Your blood then takes the carbon dioxide, a waste product, back to your lungs. The carbon dioxide exits your body when you exhale. During hypoventilation, the body can't adequately remove carbon dioxide. This can lead to poor use of oxygen by the lungs. The result is a higher level of carbon dioxide and too little oxygen available in the body. Sounds sounds worse than It sounds like what? this it sounds like coronavirus. Way worse than what COVID does to kids. Yeah. Like COVID makes it hard for you to breathe. Yeah. This... But we're we're actually inducing it. Yeah. God It's shocking. It... Well, it's not surprising. It is, it is non-surprising. And look, playing devil's advocate, someone might out there might be thinking, oh, well, it's good that they've done something about it. Yeah, look, of course. And obviously, when I went searching to corroborate this story after it was sent to me, there was a fact-check article. And we know that fact-checked articles are mostly bullshit because they're usually funded either by the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, which is Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, or they're funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and the Johnson in the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation is also attached to Johnson & Johnson, which is a company selling vaccines at the moment. Mm. So you know that you have to take them all with a grain of salt. Now, the fact check article, it doesn't deny the fact that trimethamine's been added to the vaccine. Right. So it says, fact check, Pfizer did include trimethamine, a buffer to its COVID-19 vaccine for children, but it is not harmful. So the biggest thing that you need to know with fact checks is they pick something that they can prove to then try to discredit the whole argument. No one is claiming that trimethamine itself, the whole reason why this is a massive scandal, is because the drug itself is particularly harmful. No one's claiming that. Mm. What they are saying is that we've been saying for months now that this thing is causing heart attacks and strokes. And when you include a drug which specifically is used to treat people who've had heart attacks, like that is an admission of guilt as far as I'm concerned. 100%. So it goes on to say, 
Uh, did Pfizer include trimethamine, an ingredient used to stabilize heart attack victims in its COVID-19 vaccine for children aged 5 to 11 years old, only as a stabilizing pH buffer to make it easier to store? Yeah, right. So, so we've, we've just spent, I don't know, how many multi-billions of dollars worldwide on creating infrastructure which allowed us to correctly store these Pfizer vaccines at the low, low temperatures they're supposed to be stored at. But now, just now that we're vaccinating, uh, what, what, what are 5 to 11-year-olds? 14% of the population yeah. or something like that? Now, that infrastructure is not suitable. Even, even though the majority of people have already had their shots. Yeah. But that... that these imp- shots. The first, yeah, these the shots. First, the first batch. That's right. But now that's not suitable anymore. So, so we need to make it easier to store. Uh, while trimethamine is being used as an inactive ingredient in the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine authorized for use in children aged 5 to 11 years old, both Pfizer and the US Food and Drug Administration told lead stories that the addition of the ingredient is not harmful. So, see, this is the point. Remember, we are saying this is an admission of guilt that the vaccine itself is causing heart attacks. And if you go back to, I'll put a link to the Project Veritas video that they put up where they had a Pfizer scientist saying they had independently independently sent off, I think, 3,000 blood samples from people. And the journalist goes, oh, is that to test if the vaccine works? And he's like, no, it's to test if it gives people heart attacks. Yeah, they knew it. So they've obviously got their data back, Yeah, right? They know. Um, but the, the fact checkers are trying to focus on the drug itself saying, oh, no, the drug's not harmful, it's all good. Well, yeah, it is. It, it, that part of it is the good part. Yeah. Because it's supposed to reduce the heart attack. That's but right. what about the rest of it? Do you know what else? Or what about the part that has been inducing, inducing heart attacks? Yeah, so do you know what will reduce the heart attacks? Stop jabbing kids. Yeah. Um, stop jabbing adults. Stop jabbing everyone, really. Uh, the... Well, it, do- it doesn't appear to happen in older people. No, because older people aren't getting the mRNA vaccines. They're still getting AstraZeneca at this stage. Mm, yeah, okay. Right? So, and look, as you age, your blood does tend to thin. Yeah. So your, the likelihood of you getting a blood clot, which is then going to cause things like a heart attack or a stroke or whatever, is much lower at, yep. a, at an older age. Um, so it says, the claim appeared in an article, blah. So I'll put up both this fact-checked story, I'll put up the article that I've read as well. There's multiple out there, but you really need to read one to get the gist of it. Now, uh, after citing a meeting briefing document from the FDA about Pfizer's request to modify its COVID-19 vaccine for individuals aged 5 to 11 years old to include trimethamine, the article read, that's what I was saying before, uh, blah, blah, blah. Trimethamine, like many drugs, is used for a variety of medical procedures, including cardiac bypass surgery. (laughs) So, cardiac bypass surgery, very common in children. And like every drug, it may cause side effects. However, in an email to lead stories on November 3, 2021, um, guess who's the expert that they spoke to about uh, for this fact check? Who? Uh, Fires' media relations team said. Oh, yeah, right. Um, the Pfizer's media relations team, that might be related to that lobby group that you mentioned about a month ago. Yep. Yeah. Keep an eye on that one. The manufacturing processes involved in producing the pediatric doses remain unchanged from the adult and adolescent doses. There are also no changes in raw materials, mRNA, lipids, or suppliers in the manufacturing of the drug substance and lipid nanoparticles. To enable extended storage time, an alternative buffer is being leveraged known as a, I think it's a TRIS buffer, T-R-I-S, TRIS, TRI, don't know, not a doctor. 
Simply put, this allows the mRNA to resist being degraded for a longer period of time before administration, meaning the paediatric vaccine can be stored for 2 to 8 degrees in commonly available refrigerators for up to 10 weeks. This buffer will also be used in the updated adult and adolescent 30 mcg doses in due course, helping to ensure simplified handling of the vaccine across age groups. To reiterate, the manufacturing processes involved in producing the paediatric doses remain unchanged. Nice spin. That's nice right. Spin. So they know it causes heart attacks. They're quickly putting it in the kids one because they know if they kill kids, this whole thing's over. Yeah. And then they're just going to roll that back out into, into the booster doses for adults. So I guarantee you, you will get, once they get this done, you will get probably two boosters next year to keep your trimethamine levels up to make sure you don't have a fucking heart attack. Yeah. Um, also, an interesting note on this too. Isn't it funny how quickly they have put in a drug which stops, uh, which is used to stabilize people from heart attacks, but they haven't actually formulated a new dose that's specific for Delta? Yeah, interesting. Mm. Now, um, lead stories also reached out to the FDA, so the Food and Drug Administration in America, for more information about the inclusion of trimethamine in Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. In an email on November 3, 2021, Alison Hunt, a press officer for the FDA, told us, so you notice they've just spoken to media people for, yeah, yeah, yeah. from both places? Yeah. So they haven't spoken to, like, scientists. It's yeah. media no relations managers or... Yep. Media spin, yep. The Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for children 5 through 11 years of age contains a lower amount of mRNA per dose than that used for individuals 12 years of age and older. It is a modified formulation that contains a trimethamine buffer instead of the phosphate-buffered saline used in the original formulation of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. Maybe they've thought that saline causes heart attacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you reckon that's it? Yeah, that's why all the people swimming in the ocean get it. That's right. That's why we have so, so many heart attacks in Australia. Yeah. Oh, all these people who die of shark attacks, it's actually heart attacks. It's heart attacks. Yeah. The sharks just eat them after they've already had the heart attack because of all the saline that they're, uh, they're, they're ingesting in the water. Buffers help maintain a vaccine's pH, a measure of how acidic or alkaline a solution is, and stability. This will provide a vaccine with an improved stability profile that can be kept refrigerated longer and can be readily delivered in appropriate doses for the 5 through 11 age group. Isn't it beautiful that it just so happened that they've, they've been able to kill two birds with one stone with that? Mm-hmm. Surely there was another preservative that they could have added. Surely, yeah. right? But no, they found one that reduces heart attacks. Yeah, it just happens to assist in, in heart attacks. Yeah. Both the modified formulation and the original formulation will, will be available for the 12 and older age group. The same buffer uh, that is used in the vaccine's new formulation has been used in licensed vaccines, including Dengvaxia, which is for dengue tetravalent vaccine, Genius, which is a smallpox and monkeypox vaccine, and Ervobo, which is an Ebola vaccine. As with all licensed and authorised vaccines, the manufacturing of the vaccine adheres to current good manufacturing practices in accordance with FDA standards. Not great, just good? Yeah, just, <laughs> no, just current. <laughs> uh, because, obviously, uh, current means that they haven't changed definitions yet yes. on, on these particular things. Uh the FDA-evaluated manufacturing data support the change in this inactive ingredient and concluded it did not impact the safety or effectiveness of the product. It's, it's just wordplay. It's wordplay. It's been wordplay since the beginning yeah. of this. So They've said that it's, it's, it's not going to do anything bad. Well, it's going to do something good. Well, when they use But term- what they haven't said is that it used to do something bad. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and like, I, 
when you use a term like inactive, and again, I'm not a scientist. This is me. This is as an, an assumption. I don't think my body knows the difference between a drug that I'm taking because I'm supposed to be getting the effect of the drug or a drug that I'm taking as a secondary because it's a buffer of another drug. And then my body goes, oh no, that one's just a buffer. So I'm not going to have any sort of chemical reaction to that yeah. one. I'm just going to leave that to the side. And I'm going to take out the mRNA and the liquid, the lipid nanoparticles. Yeah. Um, it's all a bit convenient. Yeah. So when you say inactive... What I believe that means, when you, when you speak about drugs, they talk about active ingredients. And the active ingredient is what is the ingredient that is designed to do the purpose that you're taking the drug for. Right. right? So when you call a, an ingredient inactive, to a lay person, it sounds like, oh, well, it's not doing anything, so it's all good. Yeah. Right? But I guess when you're speaking in medical terms, it just means it is not an active... I'm going to get this. Yeah, you get that. It is not an active contributor towards the actual function of the drug. So obviously, a, an anti-heart attack drug is not an active contributor towards preventing COVID-19 infection or severe disease. Oh, so obviously, this, this, is, this is huge. And like I said, I just, want to, I just want to reiterate, while Alex has left the room for any uh, audio listeners, because we've still got businesses to run at the same time, uh, Pfizer's criminal fine was for mismarketing a drug or many drug drugs, a swag of drugs to people that they weren't suitable for and they caused serious harm. That was in 2009. I think they had to pay that fine. In 2006, there was that other study they did in, I believe it was Nigeria off the top of my head. We've spoken about it before where they, without the parents' consent, did a vaccine trial on 200 kids and 11 of them died. 11 children were killed in this trial. Mm. Pfizer had to pay $75 million in uh, damages to the families of those children because of that trial. So we are talking about a company that has a history of putting profit before human lives, has a history of deliberately mismarketing their products to increase profitability at the expense of human life, has been caught in the act doing it multiple times and we've given them 100% indemnity and we, we are pushing forth and trying to vaccinate kids. Yeah, it's wild. And, and they've, they've, just, they've just owned up to it, effectively. Yeah. No one's going to pick it up. So, so think, about, think about these two things that have come out in the last week and how they support the Red Pill movement yep. from the last 12 months. Two things. They're, they're putting heart attack medication in their vaccine because they know it causes heart attacks. And their antiviral pill has exact same mechanism as ivermectin. Yeah. So the two things that the red pill has been talking about ad nauseum for 12 months in the actions, because actions speak way louder than words. Absolutely. We all know that. In Pfizer's actions, they have confirmed both of these theories. Yep. Off its head. Now, can we move on off the yes. subject? All right, because yep. we've got to make this one quick. I remembered what I'd forgotten at the end of last week's pod. Um, and this will maybe help to explain why this sort of thing is able to occur in large organizations. So what I'm talking about is this. Um, the hardest part about this subject when you speak to people who are unconvinced is you're literally trying to... Like most people think that the, the majority of people are good, mm. are good people. And that is true. Yep. Right? And, and we want it to be true. And we absolutely want it to be true. You, you want to be in a trust-first society sure. rather than a, you know, a, a distrust-first society. 
So when you're trying to convince people that this evil company is literally, and it's again, not trying to murder your kids. They just don't give a fuck because they're making billions, right? And in most normal people's minds, they go, I would never be able to do that. I don't know how that is possible. We've seen ways that this becomes possible this week. And what I'm referring to is the IBAC investigations in Victoria. Yeah, anti-corruption in Victoria. That's right. So why is this relevant? This is the theory that I'm going to outline first, and then the IBAC supports that. What happens, and the way that massive issues like this can, can occur especially systemic issues when it's across, this is a global phenomenon now, but across major organizations and government, the way this, this doesn't happen overnight because everyone in those organizations is evil. Yeah. This happens over time. And, and it, it starts with little things, either little white lies, little bits of corruption or little tweaks to the process to maximize profits. That's right. Little skirting of the rules. That's right. You skirt and you give a little bit, you give a little bit, you give a little bit. And then what happens is this, that the higher-ups who are pulling these things, they get away with it for a long enough period of time, and the workers that push back against those things move on somewhere else and are either replaced by people who don't push back or the other ones who don't push back, they just don't leave, they stay there, right? So then what happens is activity that might actually be illegal or immoral becomes normalized in that organization at at a minute level at the beginning. But then the next generation of changes happen and tweaks happen. And then the next generation and so on and, and so and forth. And think from a practical point of view, like a new person that starts within an organization is only going to be taught by the person that's mm-hmm. there, right? You might have a, a, a process manual, but how, how often do people refer to that? You mm-hmm. usually learn from the people on the ground. That's right. So if, if we've gone to three, four, five phases of or generations of people mm-hmm. uh, that have slightly skirted the rules mm-hmm. each and every time... yeah. That's normal. And I will give you an example that we have both experienced and a lot of our listeners would have experienced, which it's very simple, but it is widespread and it happens everywhere. In the motor trade, uh, we because we work Saturdays, you get an RDO during the week. It's actually the reason why we call this the RDO podcast in the beginning, the rostered day off podcast, because yeah. we're doing it on our RDOs, right? Now, when I first started in the industry, whenever there was a public holiday during the week, I was told the public holiday becomes your RDO. So then you don't get an additional day off. Right? Yep. <laughs> That's what I was told. That's story. what I yeah. was told. So when I, because I started, I think, 22, roughly. Yeah. So for the first five, six years of my career, I just thought that was normal. I worked Every public holiday, or if I got it off because we closed the dealership or something, I wouldn't take my RDO during during that week. And and this just went on for years and years and years and years and years. And the thing is, because I was being told this by managers, managers were going, no, it's that's how it is. We're closed, mm. so you don't get another day off. But it's that's against that's, the law. That's not what the law says. That's right. Yeah. Fair work is very clear in their very, legislation around Very that. clear. But again, as we, we've probably discussed before, management never typically goes looking for laws to make their lives harder. Yeah. Right? So if something's working, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's just keep on rolling. Yeah. And the thing is, now, I don't know how long this has been going for because you know, I've only been in the industry 10 years. It's been going for a lot longer than, than that. 
But this is one of those things where you've had generations of managers come through from the lower level. And now you've got guys who are sales managers who started when I was, when I started, who they think it's normal. Yeah. And they tell us, I thought it was normal. Yeah. Yeah. Up until, you know, a a particular point when someone made it clear to me and I was like, whoa. Yeah. And then when I tried to to advocate for it, Mm -hmm. I got pulled through the coals. Like it was really bad. What were you called? A troublemaker. A troublemaker. So Alex was called a troublemaker because he was trying to tell an organization how they were exposing themselves to legal action by participating in criminal activity. <laughs> how, it's like, how familiar does that sound? Yeah. Right? He was called a troublemaker. So that's just a very, very small example of how this stuff occurs. But just, it, it's, it's a practical way to see that in, in everyday life, that's how something can twist into that's right. becoming a, a monster. And the thing is, when you get new starters in, in any profession... They're usually bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, but naive, mm. okay? And they, they want to learn, and they want to trust. Yeah. And the problem is, most people who have hung around organizations for long enough, they know that, and they're pretty good at manipulating that trust, too, to get what they want. Yeah. And when you're talking corporate, for example, it's all about maximizing profits. There, there are not many companies out there who put their workplace before profits. Yeah. Right, and the excuse is always, "Oh, we work for our shareholders." That's just a bullshit cop out. My argument is, if you can't do it legally, you, you can't do it. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, the a, a huge example of this has happened over the last few weeks with the IBAC, so the Independent Broad-Based Commission Against Corruption in Victoria, and the hearings that have happened, particularly in the last week, but they've been happening over the last three weeks. And what has come out of that has been extremely interesting in how the Labor Party of Victoria has acted for the last 30 years. So the Labor Party has been uh, using a tool called branch stacking for literally the last 30 years. How does branch stacking work? Branch stacking, we've spoken about this recently on the pod, but if you knew, we'll go through it just quickly again. Branch stacking works by... Paying, like recruiting members to the Labor Party in certain seats, even if they don't want to be involved in it, and just going, hey, look, just come and, and um, join the party. Don't worry about it. I'll pay for your fees. Yeah. So there's no cost to you. Just come. It'll help me out. Yeah. Right? And where does the money from the fees come from? From the higher up popul- uh, politicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right? where, does that, where does that money come from? Uh, from taxpayers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think the Labor Party in during the red shirts wrought scandal uh, was found to have misappropriated three hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars worth of taxpayer funds. Yeah. So what happens is this: so you recruit all these members, so you stack a branch with people who only support you because you paid for their fees, so you own them now. And then what happens when you get a pre-selection that comes up? You tell those people, "Hey, you got to vote for my mate." Yep. And they, they're disinterested anyway. They don't even want to be involved in politics. That's why they didn't come to you in the first place, right? So they just go, whatever, and, and we'll, just, we'll just vote for whoever the candidate is that you want. And it is a way of ensuring... Some of them didn't even vote. Yeah, I was going to get to that, okay. but let's talk about that now. Yep. A lot of them didn't even vote. They just got their vote cards filled out for them and their signatures forged. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, forging a signature? Fraud. Kind of a criminal offence. Yeah. 
Fraud's one of the like most highly punished offences. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can take that in Australia. Um, so you you do branch stacking, which therefore means you only get the people that you want to be holding certain seats uh, selected in pre-selections. Then they become your candidates. Now. Why is that important? Because those people are then only going to support you in your endeavors to move up through the party. Then, the next thing that's come out is that the Victorian Labor Party, and I don't know if it's just Victoria, but this whole um, IBAC campaign is just, or commission, sorry, is just centered around Victoria. When you sign on with the Labor Party, they force you to sign a pledge. And that pledge states that you will always vote in line with the party. So we're seeing at the moment with these permanent pandemic, uh, the permanent pandemic bill uh, in Victoria that's gone through, or sorry, gone through the lower house, 100% of Labor MPs in the lower house voted for this bill, even though it is criminally insane to do so. And it is not a reflection on what their constituents would yeah. be after. And that was illustrated on the weekend when you had... I saw um, Discernible, who's a good follow on right. social media. He used... There's a, an online tool that you can get where you can... Sell, like It's got like a, a Google Earth view. Yep. And you can select a, an area and it gives you an estimate of how many people fit in that area. Right. Okay. Interesting. Right. They estimated 138,000 people attended yeah. the protest on the weekend. I was saying from, from the images I saw, and I told you my rule of thumb of how to figure out how many people are there. Yeah. Like how many Suncorp stadiums are there. Yeah. And uh, Alex put it in the best way. I'd never even considered it because I've been to Suncorp a million times for like State of Origins and stuff. When you're trying to estimate, when you see footage, how many people are there. If you've ever been to a game, you know what it's like when you're walking out of the stadium. Does it look the same? Yeah. Or does it look more or does it look less? Yeah. Because the first article... I saw about the protests on the weekend was a Sky News article and they're like, it is believed that over 5,000 people have attended because the corporate media always want to downplay it. But getting back to the point. So I was just running through before you left. Cool. Um, So when you sign on with the Labor Party, you sign a pledge to state that you will always vote along the party lines. That is completely 100% undemocratic. That is not how democracy works. You are elected as a, an elected representative of your constituents. So you were supposed... So remember how I, how I said um, when they rush this thing through in a day? Like, yeah. you're supposed to go back to your constituents and go, Hey guys, what do you think about this legislation? Yeah. Does this work for you? How would you like me to vote on it? Like, you're an elected representative. It's pretty easy when someone is sitting in the um, department stack, like, pats on a stack of um, voter cards that goes, don't worry, yeah. we've got the support we, we need. We got this, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's the thing, so... Now, branch stacking is not illegal. Branch stacking is not illegal, however... Forging signatures is. Forging signatures is, and also it goes against the, uh, the terms and conditions of joining the major parties. Right. So their own terms and conditions say we do not participate in branch Just change that. Yeah, change, change another definition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll change. Um, but yeah, so, so in other words, the Labor Party of Victoria acts in a way that is completely undemocratic. Mm. Because when you elect a Labor person, they will not vote based on what you want as a constituent. They will vote based on what the party line says. Yeah. Okay? <sighs> So, this 
and obviously this is this is a, a widespread issue in the Labor Party. Dan Andrews' name was mentioned a few times yep. in it. He has not been called before IBAC yet. I'm really, really hoping he is, whether or not he shows up because he's holier than now. I don't know. But this is something that I also picked up out of this, which was, again, uh, this is a, a post from Discernible because, like I said, very, very good follow. I'm just going to... And get on Voice for Victoria if you're not following that. That's yeah. a really good one. She does a... Like, She's a, a fantastic lot. source. Yeah, yeah. She'll watch all the footage and then commentate on the footage as it goes through. That's right. Because yeah. they're live streaming all of these Yeah, hearings. extremely knowledgeable in, in the way politics works. Yeah. So, Discernible put up a post saying, The Victorian merry-go-round. Why do politicians always escape punishment? Mm-hmm. This is why. So they gave an example, and we spoke about this a few weeks ago on the pod. When WorkSafe Victoria laid charges over the deaths Dan Andrews caused in hotel quarantine, they didn't charge Dan. In fact, they didn't charge anyone. They effectively charged themselves. A government department, WorkSafe, charged a government department, the DHHS, which I think is the Department of, I don't know, Health, Care or whatever, with 58 breaches of the law. The penalty, up to $1.64 million per offence. So a total of $95.12 million is up for grabs. Guess who will pay the bill? It is likely that the government will simply plead guilty to the government and walk a wheelbarrow of cash, 95 mil, from one office to another with millions falling outside, uh, out the side along the way in legal fees. Politicians regularly write laws that give themselves immunity. Dan Andrews is doing this right it's, now. Yeah, it's it, to the worst degree. So this is in the permanent pandemic legislation. It is section 165CU and it is titled Immunity. This section applies to the following. A. The Chief Health Officer. B. A Delegate of the Chief Health Officer. C. An Authorised Officer. D. A Detention Review Officer. Section 2. A person to whom this section applies is not personally liable for anything done or omitted to be done in good faith at a time when a pandemic declaration is in force. So just to remind you, Dan Andrews can, under this legislation, if it goes through, can declare a pandemic whenever he wants to, even if there is no disease present. So a person to whom this section applies is not personally liable for anything done or omitted to be done in good faith at a time when a pandemic declaration is in force in relation to a pandemic disease or disease of pandemic potential. Section 3. Any liability resulting from an act or omission that would be that would but for subsection 2 attached to a person attaches instead to the crown. Oh. So in other words, he can declare a pandemic whenever he wants. Yep. He could literally order the police to go and murder anyone who walks the streets and he would have zero personal liability yeah, for doing so. It's insane. And I know that that sounds um, over the top. But well, let's not, that's how it's written. Let's not forget that police were already firing rubber bullets without any of these protections. Yeah. The, I mean, all these people would be protected anyway because they could. the chief health, health officer could just say they're authorised people. Yeah. That's a delegate of mine. Yeah. He's all good. That is literally it's written It's the craziest legislation I've ever seen. In a, in a Western democracy, 
I don't think anything's been written like that before. It's no, and, and I think thirty QCs have now written. Not sixty. Oh, it's 60. gone up. It keeps 60 going up. Queens councils have have uh, written open letters saying like that they need major amendments to the bill. The highest level lawyers in all the land. Yeah. Yeah, like guys, this is fucking mental. So look, let's leave it there. This is a booster pod. It was supposed to be short and sharp. Yeah. Um, we we do look. I want to leave you with some positivity. The tide is changing. Yeah, absolutely. The tide is changing. You've seen that. 138,000 people marched in Melbourne on the weekend. They've been there for three weeks straight. The other point I'm going to make, have you noticed how protesters aren't violent when police don't attack them first? Yeah. What a fucking strange occurrence. <laughs> what a strange yeah. thing to happen. Yeah. When police don't push over and pepper spray a 70-year-old woman in the face while she's on the ground, protesters typically are peaceful. And I'm not blaming either either it it would have been directions we've heard about stories of fucking rah-rah speeches that um that police officers who are managing squads were making on the buses on the way into these protests and literally saying anything you do i will vouch for you you're all good like it's not it's not the police's fault and as we've seen they have facilitated peaceful protests for weeks now what has the media said about it Nothing. Yeah. All the media wanted to talk about months ago was how all these people are right-wing extremist troublemakers who are just there to fight with police. Yeah. Why aren't they fighting with police anymore? Yeah. The police have even put the rubber bullets away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a more fair fight. Why aren't they doing it anymore? It's changing. It's definitely changing. The tide is changing. Channel 9 actually reported this protest properly. Yeah. It is the first proper news story Channel 9 has run for two fucking years. It, yeah, it, and some articles in the paper uh, have made it yep. into the paper. You said it on the weekend. The media changes before their narrative does yeah. because they're very, very good at making sure they stay on our side. Yeah, this like in six months' time, they're going to be fighting against the government on, on our side mm-hmm. and we'll forget. We'll forget what they did to us. That's right. And Don't cha- forget. And Channel 9 moved first because they're Fairfax, so they're out of the Murdoch. Yeah. Infrastructure. Sponsor local business. Uh, sponsor local business. Sponsor yep. local uh, independent media. Yep. Uh, get behind them. And, and and guys, especially any of you out there who are parents, please share this podcast to other parents because people need to know. Because I know the pressure is really high at the moment. I know a lot of people are cracking, but keep this shit away from the kids. Yep. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next audio.